Hello, Fun Employed friends. You are listening to another episode of the Forever Fun Employed podcast. I'm your host, Jana Joyner, and I am joined today by someone who is a powerhouse, a boss, a builder, a legacy builder, all of those amazing things. Uh, Vanisha Johnson, welcome welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I've been super excited, counting down. Yes, yes. I've, I'm, I've been ready for this conversation. And today I wanted to have you on because there's an important conversation around home ownership and especially home ownership when it comes to entrepreneurs. Um, I think that for a lot of us, myself included, I just became a homeowner in March 2022. And there were so many things I didn't know about the process. There were so many things I didn't even know I needed as an entrepreneur. Um, it seemed like people who had nine to fives had a, pr- a relatively easy or smooth time with pre-approvals and things like that. But um, my process was not. There was a lot more red tape. You know, um, there were just so many things that I hadn't considered that I was being, I was dealing with in the moment as we were, you know, going through everything. And it was, it really made me realize that there's so much that we don't know. Um, and when we, when we go into entrepreneurship, you know, I'm a champion for entrepreneurship, but we also have to think about how entrepreneurship serves our personal goals. Um, so if homeownership is something that is a goal of yours, then how can you position yourself, position your business, position your taxes to set you up for success in that area? And so I'm so happy you're here. I just want to just talk to you, learn from you. I, I mean, I know you have your wealth of knowledge um, about homeownership and the real estate market in general. And so, uh, yeah, I want to have a good conversation with you. And it's so, um, it's great to be connected with you. Years ago, when we first met, you were in the education field and um, and then you made the pivot into real estate. And then now you even pivoted even more into building a collective of realtors, which we'll get into later. But I would just love for you to share with us uh, a little bit of who you are, what brought you to real estate, what made you, you know, take the leap and pivot in your career. Um, Yeah. Tell us all those good things about yourself. Yeah. So you're right. I was in education when we first met and um, I was very comfortable. I, this is what I had went to school for. I got a master's degree in. So I was good. I was like, this is it. Um, And I even, I was in the classroom, but I pivoted out and I did more community-based stuff. And I really thought it was good because it was like, oh, I got more freedom. I can move differently. Um, I'm good here. And then the pandemic happened. And I think during the pandemic, we all woke up a little bit and started doing (laughs) some different stuff, right? And so um, that's what happened to me. So during the pandemic, uh, we purchased a house or we built a house. And after that process, my husband was like, hey, you should um, sell houses. I don't know if it was the the closing document that he got that showed (laughs) how much the realtor made or what. (laughs) But he was like, you should sell houses. And I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm not a salesperson. I don't position myself as a salesperson. I help you meet your goals. So Mm -hmm. like if homeownership is a goal for you, then I'm here to do that. But like, I'm just like, I can't, honestly, at first I kind of doubted myself because I was like, 
I'm not salesy. I don't. If you tell me you don't want to buy it, I'm moving on. Like, I'm all right, not no pressure. That means you. I'm horrible at sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't sell nothing. Like, I can help you. I can help you once you know what you want, but I can't sell anything. And so, um, I I joked and I say I only ever sold tennis shoes for a DTLR when I was 16 years old. That's the only sales job I've ever had. Good old DTLR. You didn't even need sales experience. You were just out there for a check. Listen, I was there. Okay. I was 30. Now I'm 31. So that's different. That's a long time ago. So, um, so I was like, I'm good on that. And so he was just like, nope, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you to school. And I was like, all right, well, if it's on your dime and I, I go figure it out, cool. So I went and while I was in there, I actually was like, oh, snap, I might can do this for real. Like I can do this. And so it kind of fell in my lap in that way. It's not something that I woke up and was like, I want to sell a house. Or it's not like I come from a line of real estate investors or, you know what I mean? Like this was new to me. I was a fish out of water. And so, um, yep, I went to school and I passed my test. I failed my test the first time. That's something I'm always very transparent about Mm -hmm. because I think we see a lot of um, selling sunset and ATL. We see all of this, the glitz and the glamour of it, but there's a grind behind it. And so, um, you know, I encourage people, like, if you fail the first, it's a very hard test. So if you fail the first Mm -hmm. time, just go back, you know? Um, But yeah, so I did that and then I pivoted and halfway through the pandemic, I was like, yeah, I ain't going back to work. (laughs) (laughs) I started selling houses and my first year, so typically your first year, you, um, they um, expect you to do one to two deals. Well, I did about 15. Oh, wow. And so first year, like after that, and I did that while I was working and I was just like, I think if I really like put my dedicated effort, all your efforts, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, I feel like I could do something with this. So I just was like, yeah, I think I'm done with work. Like I'm not coming back. And on top of that, they had started talking about coming back in the office. Everybody mm-hmm. doing that. No. <laughs> like I was like, no, immediately. No. So, um, so yeah, I quit my job in May. My 30th birthday um, was a wow. month of celebrating 30, but also celebrating like this new found freedom, if you will, of like me mm-hmm. kind of charting my own territory. So I, um, yeah, I quit my job in May and it's been up ever since. Um, and so to answer the question about like some benefits of like that career shift, for me, it was two big ones. It was freedom of time because I do have a family and I value Time and money for real are like neck and neck for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like I value in- income, but also I value my time. And so I will take I would take less pay a little bit if it means that I have more time. And more freedom. time, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, for me, it represented that. Like I was like, I realized that when I'm selling houses, I can move as I need to. If I need to clear my schedule out because my mom needs me or my kids need me, I can do that. And I don't have to answer to anyone. And so if I just need a me day, I can take it. And I love that. I got addicted to the freedom. Um, that did come with some responsibility though, right? Like, cause I still right. gotta be productive. Nobody's making me do anything, mm-hmm. but I love that. And then the second thing that I loved was that there is no cap on my income. Like, yes can make what I want to make, you know what I mean? And so that has been amazing. And it's been a mindset shift, like getting into this industry, I've really had to sit with my mind and 
what I thought was possible because like I keep on just like blowing the roof off these goals and I'm like, whoa, it's higher. I can go higher. Like I can do it, you know, and that has been really, it's been amazing to be a part of, but yeah, um, freedom of time and freedom of income. Like there's no, there being no cap. That to me was like, that was why I did it. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, my same part of my same motivation for, for me going into entrepreneurship. I'm not a realtor, but you know, I was working at a job that I I knew I deserved a raise. I knew they were making plenty of money and I could have had a raise, but when I asked they, you know, I was shut down. And so I'm like, so no matter how hard I work there, I've reached my limit. You still going to cap me? Like, so right. I can give right. my all, but there's still a limit. Like, and, and so I, that's why, that's what drew me to entrepreneurship is that, you know, there is no limit to what I can bring in in any given year. It's, it's contingent upon my output, but I, I liked the, um, or yeah, it's contingent upon my, um, yeah, I guess out, yeah, my output. Um, but yeah, I, I really yeah. think that the freedom, you know, freedom of, you know, having the time, being able to create your own schedule, being able to earn as much or as little as you like, maybe, you know, you don't, you, you'd want to, you know, you can earn as much as you'd like. And so, um, yeah. that was a really big draw. And I always me. tell people like, you get to choose, you get to choose whether you're going to build big or small, right? Like that's the yeah. beauty of it. So like, if there's a certain time of year, like I know in December, I love Christmas. I love all things Christmas. I love all things family in December. So I'm like, yeah, I want to wrap up work around November. Like, I don't want to work in December. The month of December, Mm -hmm. I don't don't care what that means for me, but I want to put in enough work all these other months that December I'm done and I'm off. And so for some people that might be dumb or for some people that might be building small, but I'm willing to do it. And so Mm -hmm. I get to choose to your point how big or how small I build. Um, yep. And that to me is priceless. Yep. And and also to that point, um, I mean, there have been times where I've had clients approach me or potential clients approach me with opportunities and the project was huge, big price tag, but I'm like, this price tag is going to come with a, a big time commitment. It's going to require a lot yeah. of my mental, emotional energy. Like I'm going to have to be traveling around. Um, it's going to be stuff that I (laughs) (laughs) right. And so when you say build small, that could, you know, to some that may sound like, well, why would you start a business so you could build small, but understanding that with building big comes big commitments too. So you have to weigh, you know, weigh what's important to you. And so, yeah, I, I get it completely, completely. Um, so you are, the legacy realtor. Um, that's how we were introduced to you. That is what you talk about endlessly. The idea of legacy, legacy, legacy. Can you tell me what that means to you and why that's where you decided to kind of hang your hat, that mission? Yeah. Um, for me, everything I do is with my family in mind. Um, and so, and, and with my family in mind, and also with the people that I come in contact with in mind. So like, I'm always asking myself, am I leaving this place better, better than it was when I got here? Like, is this place, when I'm leaving a place, is it better than what it was? You know what I'm saying? And that's my goal is to always mm-hmm. leave a space, a relationship, a friend, like, and 
if if those things have to end, right? I want to leave it better than what it was when I came. Like I want people to be able to look back and be like, yo, it ended, but like while she was here, I, I became better. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, you know, if it's a physical space, like, wow, that girl came through and like, you know, taught us some stuff. Like that is that's what I want. And so for me, it's just like, how am I living my legacy? Like, how am I living this life of purpose where I'm leaving people and in, in spaces better? And mm-hmm. so for me, that was hand in hand with like legacy. So to me, mm-hmm. legacy is not just when I die. It's like, mm-hmm. how am I leaving places? How am I leaving people? Mm-hmm. Um, that's one side of it. And then the other side for me is truly my family. And like, so when I die, because that is inevitable, like when I'm not here anymore, am I working just for me? Like, am I building all of this stuff knowing that I can't take it with me, (laughs) knowing that it's just going to be here when I'm gone is truly that all I'm working for. And Mm -hmm. for me, if the answer is yes, for me personally, that's an empty answer. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to think and, you know, I think I do everything with them in mind. So I'm just like, yeah, it's for them. Like, I want to build something that my kids can eat off of. Yeah, generations to come. Um, even if my son and daughter are not realtors, which they will be an investor in some way, shape, or <laughs> yeah, that's very clear. But if they are not like a broker or they don't own a company, can they still have ownership in what I'm building now? Like, can mm. it still benefit? And that's what I want. That's what I want to build. So when I sat back and thought about my why, it was all of those things. And there was one word that kind of, you know encompassed all of that and it was legacy um Mm -hmm. so that's how I landed on legacy and and it's been it's been good yes it has and now you have the legacy collective which is an expansion Mm -hmm. of what you have already started building so can you tell me about that what led you to start it what do you hope it becomes how did you connect with the realtors who are in the collective like I want to know all of that because you really just popped out like, hey, y'all, your girl been working. Surprise. So talk to me. <laughs> talk to me about how it all been working. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So I, um, again, I'm a, I'm a giver of information. I don't believe we should hoard information. I believe if I got here, I want to show somebody how to get here faster. Like, how do you get here? How do you go further faster? And I, I live by that because I don't believe that anything good is going to come out of me just hoarding information. I think there's enough money to go around. I think there are enough clients to go around. I don't want all the clients. So I'm going to share them with you. (laughs) So (laughs) with that being said, I just, you know, always connected with newer realtors. I think because of my success that I've had so quickly, I think they kind of automatically draw to me a bit um, because it's just like, who is this girl and how did she do this so fast? I'm a new realtor. I want to do it too. So I feel like they kind of wrote, you know, were were drawn to me for that reason. And so um, how it happened was I would just be helping, had like six random realtors Um, that I was helping just like build stuff and, you know, help them understand. And then I realized, as we all do when we are in business, like, hey, we got to scale this because this is taking a lot of my time. It's taking Mm -hmm. a lot of resources. Me trying to help six different people, right? So I was just like, yo, what would it look like if we met every week? If I gave them everything I know, if I said, here's the playbook, go further, faster. Like if I just willingly gave it, what would that look like? And so it was a team. And I was just mm-hmm. like, initially, and I, we talked about this off air a little bit. 
initially I was like, Misha, who are you? Like you've been in this less than three years. Who are you to start a team? But what I, what I've come to, to realize is that like God allowed this success to happen at the rate that it did. And I believe he did that so that I could be a blessing quicker. And so that people could go further, faster. I don't believe he allowed me to experience all that I have in such a short amount of time for me to just be like, Oh, I sell, you know what I mean? I don't believe it was for Mm -hmm. me. I believe it Mm -hmm. was in my house for others and so because he graced me and allowed me to experience it I was like it's I have to give back (laughs) like I have to do this um so that's kind of what my thought process was so definitely a little bit of imposter syndrome initially and then I just worked through that thing and I was just like listen y'all it's six of y'all I'm helping all six of y'all at different paces I'm gonna start a team I was like I don't know if you want to join I don't know um, I sat down, Jana, and I literally was like, all right, I got six agents I'm helping. I was like, I'm going to try to convert three. Three mm. minimum, I'm going to try to make sure they join the team. And I put it out there and messed around, and all six of them was like, yes. All six. That's how you know. That's how you know. And I was just like, wait a minute. All six of y'all said yes. What am right. I going to do with six of y'all? Like, <laughs> what are we going to do? And so, um, yeah, so they all six of them said yes and we've been rocking ever since february ever since we've been rocking we've done they have i already have a top producer like they are literally producing and i mean it's not like i'm just they're not idle agents they are they're Mm -hmm. getting it we've done so much a short amount of time and so um i just onboard well i'm in the process of onboarding four more so we'll be a um, a team and so I, I set it up that way because I really wanted to, I'm really into quality over quantity. And so mm-hmm. I don't want it to be a revolver for the team. I want it to be where it's super exclusive and we open up maybe once or twice a year for new agents. We vet them real well. And if they got what it takes, then they can join. But I don't want it to be like a free for all because mm-hmm. I really want to focus in on their development mm-hmm. and just making sure that you know the training wheels come off and they're good to go. And yes. I feel like if I'm, in it for quantity that is going to be jeopardized exactly. and I don't want that to happen and you can get so, to the um, quantity you want by building slowly so it's like five well-trained here five well-trained here yep. maybe six or seven next time you know like yep. you can get to this large thing I think so many entrepreneurs they look at where they ultimately want to be and that's where their sights are set on instead of breaking those down into yep. measurable milestones that they can reach so instead of being discouraged because your your firm doesn't have 10 15 maybe you know nurture the two then nurture some you know three and then you know and and build and that's that's a sustainable plan too where you bring value yeah i was gonna say where you bring value like people are gonna come like they're gonna come but you exactly. have to be more into the value that you're giving than just the number, you know? And I think yeah. in, in social media world, man, like we can we can compare and we can want to have all the number. But what is what good is it for me to have 15 agents and two of them producing? Right. That's right. a big that's, <laughs> that's an invoice. Exactly. <laughs> like exactly. I don't want that. I don't want that. So exactly. if I got two. Exactly. And then I think as the entrepreneur, as the leader, I show up like I got 50 
with my 10, my solid 10, I show up like it's 50 of them. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I set expectations for them. I do that like it's 50 strong, you know what I mean? Agents. So, you know, I think that is, that's definitely good. Quality over quantity. Yes. All day, every day. So let's shift gears. Um, I know we're focusing on, we ha- we had to focus on, I feel like it was a, a nice little connection between entrepreneurship and becoming a realtor. So, you know, making a business out of helping other people own a home. But how do you help people who own a business become a homeowner? How do you help people that own a business become a homeowner? Okay, so. I mean, many, because my, in my experience, so many homeowners believe that, you know, or I'm sorry, so many entrepreneurs believe that, oh, I don't have a nine to five, so I don't have W-2s to show, so homeownership isn't for me. Um, I'll never be able to do it. Or, um, I mean, there's so many narratives out there about why homeownership cannot be possible for people who own a business. I felt that way myself until one day I was just like, let me just do the pre-approval thing online and just see what they say. Um, And I ended up getting pre-approved, which was great. But a lot of people have have counted themselves out. They feel like I either own a business or I own a home. I cannot do both. So, can you talk to me about um, yeah. how you advise entrepreneur clients? Do you ha- have you helped entrepreneurs um, become homeowners? And you know, what would you what advice would you give um, for people who have homeownership goals now and then you know maybe two or three five years down the line I know that was a lot but (laughs) no it's that's good that's really good so to answer your question yes I've helped entrepreneurs one thing that I tell my entrepreneurs is to um, start early so if you know that you want to purchase a home say this time next year do not wait until September do not wait until October uh, you know, or where, where are we? We're in July. So don't wait till spring mm-hmm. of next year trying to do that. You need to be having these conversations now because what I found, honestly, is that nine times out of 10, there is always some type of hiccup with business owners, whether mm-hmm. it's their taxes or their credit or like there's always something. So it's okay. It's just that we got to get in front of it early so that it won't affect your timeline. So if you're mm-hmm. saying that you want to be in a house by July of 23, then right now, a year out, let's start getting these things together because they're looking at a year out taxes and stuff like that. So like, yeah. I always say to start early. Um, the next thing I would advise is keeping your credit up. I mean, and that's anybody, right? Just a- across the board. But with business owners, you are more riskier, quote unquote, to the banks, mm-hmm. right? You have more liabilities. It's just more. And it's almost like you got to prove more. You know what I'm saying? Um, Mm -hmm. And so keeping your credit up is going to be super important. Don't be afraid to talk to the institutions and the lenders, because a lot of times these lenders have programming within their institutions to help with your credit score. Like they can put you Mm -hmm. on some plan. So, you know, you waiting until the last minute or getting like Kiki from Runaway to do your credit and it's not done right. <laughs> like just hold on before you talk to Kiki. Go talk right. to the lender to see. Um, and on the flip side of that, Jana, sometimes people go and they feel like they are in this horrible situation and they go and, and they realize it's not as bad as I thought. Like it's a little work to be done, but I'm, you know, I got anxiety and it's mm-hmm. not as bad as I thought. So like that's, you know, those are two uh two things off top. Um 
the next thing I would say is take care of your taxes early. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to be looking at taxes when you apply. So make sure that the accuracy of your write-offs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let um, me tell you, let me tell you. So that was one of the hiccups that I had when I was um, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, buy this home. Because one, home ownership wasn't on my radar for at least another maybe like two years. Um, Chris and I, we had a plan, but life had a different plan. And so we needed to go ahead and set down roots. Um, And we were like, look, Chesterfield, that's our ideal place. Our family's here. Like, let's just look and see what, what we have in Chesterfield. And when it was time to go through the financial piece of it, um, what got me were the write-offs because starting out in your business. And I think that's what a lot of new entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs period. That's one of the, that's one of the draws. It's like, Oh, I can write stuff off. This is a business expense. Oh, I'm going to dinner with my girls. Oh, we talking business. Swipe business call. You know, like it's a business dinner. I have, I have gone on plenty of, you know, happy hour. I mean, even when I worked for, um, uh, you know, a nine and I had a nine to five. I mean, we would take company happy hours all the time. And it's just like mm-hmm. buying up the bar on the company yep. tab yep. and we get, so, Oh, I need a dress for the speaking engagement. Oh, you know, business expense, mm-hmm. like, and it doesn't work like that. And what happens is at the end of the day, sure. You have fewer dollars to pay when it comes to taxes due at the, you know, your taxes due, but that also shows that your business isn't making money. Yeah, it's, it shows and, that you make $20,000 a year and then you like, I want to exactly. buy a house and you hit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so what I had run into for, especially the early years of my business, I think that like the first three or four, first three or four years of my business, I was writing off everything mm-hmm. um, or, or as much as possible, uh, giving myself a bonus at the end of the year, doing owner investments. Like, I mean, doing so many different things um, to get my tax return lower. Um, or, you know, to have my taxes show that, you know, I made, you know, and my, my accountant was like, I mean, this is cool now, but like at some point the IRS wants to see that you have a business that actually makes money. So, I mean, sure, it sucks to pay taxes and you don't want to have to pay four figures in taxes. But I mean, the reality is if your business isn't viable, I mean, if your business isn't making money, the bank is going to look at it like what your, what type we of business is this? You definitely, right. We definitely can't lend you money if you can't even run a business that's profitable. Yeah. So yeah. there is a point where we're going to have to like put our big girl, you know, panties on and be a boss. Like everybody's going to be a boss till it's time to pay the IRS, pay your taxes, <laughs> pay your tax <laughs> and stop writing everything off. But I think also Jenna, like, it goes back to like what we kind of were taught. Like that's kind of like the culture, right? Like in entrepreneurship, yep. like, write it off, write it off. But like, it takes conversations like these to be like, yeah, no, don't like right. get connected because eventually you are going to want assets. Your business should be able to provide assets for you. And so if you're writing everything off, it cannot. So you, if you want to be a boss, let's boss up. Like, let's do okay. it. Okay. My homegirl texted me the other day, like, girl, I owe the IRS $23,000. I said, well, that means you made a lot of money last year. Yes. You made a lot of money. So, you know, this is, if you owe it, I mean, be grateful you have it because your business is thriving. And I think that we get so caught up on the sticker shock of owing taxes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, actually, this is a great, a great thing because it means your business is doing well. That's right. And it means you can go up and own some stuff. (laughs) You can go back that you want okay you can buy a home exactly all about math so so, okay more documents we need so we know we need to get our taxes straight i know that uh they're looking at three years of your tax returns right yep yep 
as so a business. Years, so making sure that, you know, and if it's not right, they're going to require that you go back and make it right, <laughs> meaning pay in. <laughs> and so, you know, if you are starting out, the best thing you can do is get ahead of this and just do it right from jump, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for those people who really, that was their narrative, like, yo, I, I did write everything off now. What I would say, go and talk to your tax person so that you can get, you know, correctly advised on like, I want to purchase a house next year. Can we make this right? <laughs> How can we make mm-hmm. this right? Um, and I also say talk simultaneously to the lender because the lender is going to be able to tell you exactly what they're looking for. That way you're not, you know, going ahead and, and doing all this stuff, paying all this stuff off. And mm-hmm. then you're like, yeah, I don't even care about your medical bills. We talk about right. That. <laughs> right. That, but I think so many people, entrepreneurs and nine to five workers alike are so afraid to talk to the lender. Um, and you don't be, that's your team. When you're purchasing a house, think about the fact that you're getting your team in order. You're getting your team mm-hmm. in, you know, in line. Trust me, they want your deal to go through because they're going to get paid. So exactly. get your in line, get your lender in line and do what they tell you to do because they're trying to set you up. You know, if you have a good team, they're trying to set you up for success. So, you know, don't be afraid to talk to them. Um, I think the last thing I would say is make sure you are saving money. They want mm-hmm. you to fill your reserves. They want to be able to see that you have three to six months of the mortgage saved. So like literally everything, every dime you can save, make sure you do that. So cut your mm-hmm. vacation from three a year to one because you're trying to purchase a house. You know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. But make sure that you have some reserves because they are going to look at that. Um, yeah. They're going to look at it. Yep. And, um, you know, one thing I did which I think, I mean, I'm not a financial advisor, but this is what worked for me. Um, I found some low risk, high dividend stocks. Um, so I invested in the stock market, some of my extra savings so that I could be earning money on the dividends while I'm trying to get all my other things squared yep. away. Yep. And so while I'm trying to pay down debt or why I'm trying, you know, while I'm trying to, excuse me, figure out, okay, where do we want to live? Oh, just the whole process. I'm actively having my money make money for me so that when it's time to have the closing closing, closing costs and down payment and all that stuff, I had it ready to go. And I was able to pull 100% of the closing costs and down payment from my investment accounts. Yeah. And so, and that was because I start, you know, starting in, I had started investing um, after I quit my job, I wrote my 401k and that's really when I first started investing, but just throwing money as entrepreneurs, especially when you, you know, you got a good, you'd have a great month, you doubled your revenue, whatever you want to like go out and spend to celebrate. No, throw that into your, into an investment account and let that earn money while you're waiting for the process to go through. So like actively doing those things. Um, So I think that's also important for entrepreneurs to do is to like, look at different ways to, to build and to increase their, yeah. Yep. And and also, you know, making sure that you have, and this is going to be specific to people who like know people in real estate already, but like you can do stock market, but you also can invest in real estate. So like it doesn't mm-hmm. take, you can invest in real estate with as little as $10,000. Like you can invest in that. You know what I mean? If you know somebody. That's so what does that look like? How do you, how do you, so like with that amount you, of money? Yeah. So for instance, if you know someone that is say, for instance, fixing and flipping houses, you could do like a joint venture situation or you can be mm-hmm. like, hey, I got this 10,000 in the account just sitting here. You about to you got a new flip. Can you do something with this 10,000? Loan it to them and they'll give you a return on your investment once it sells. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like 
that's something too. You know, sometimes it could be six months, it could be three months. It just depends on the project. So everything is, you know, every uh, project is different. But I mean, yeah. that's something you could look into as well. If you have someone on your side that is savvy in real estate, could you be like, hey, I don't have a lot, but ten thousand mm-hmm. is a lot. Can you like make something shake with this? Um, yeah. And you might be able to, you know, you can't fund a whole project, but you definitely can get something back. And it's just starting small. Um, mm-hmm. And it just continues to to roll. So, so we know, okay, for documents. So we know we need the tax returns. We know mm-hmm. we need to show, we need to have our bank statements that show we have money um, during the underwriter process. What are some things that they're looking at? Because getting pre-approved and being under contract, that's really when the, the microscope turns on and they are looking at every single thing, every single transaction. They want to know, everything. And the biggest misstep that I made, and we're going to get to other missteps that you see with when working with homeowner uh, entrepreneurs. Um, the biggest misstep I made was um, writing a my earnest money deposit using a business check because I didn't have no personal checks. And <laughs> in my mind, you know, that was perfectly fine, which, you know, I mean, I didn't get slapped on the wrist or anything for, but they were like, okay, we see this as a business check. Can you send us your um, last three bank statements from your business account for, you know, the last three months? Can you send us um, your articles of corporation? Can you send us your active business license? I mean, it just opened up an entire (laughs) can of worms. Yeah, and that's the thing, like... Those underwriters, I always say the underwriters are like um like the godfather. Like they're just in this room, this black smoky room. Don't nobody know who they are and they call it all the shots. And you wanna fight them. You wanna get yeah. to you're like where they at? Yeah. Where are they? Um and that is legit how it feels. It is very, I'll be honest, it's very intrusive. It can be frustrating. Um and so to your point, Jana, like I always tell people, ask before you do anything. I know it's your mm-hmm. money. I know I, we're not trying to dictate you, but we just trying to make sure that you don't open a can of worms that you then have to defend. Because yeah. to your point, Jenna, had you not done that, they probably would have left your business alone, child. They they wouldn't even, <laughs> some, out of sight, out of mind. But like when you make certain moves like that, um, it does, it, it opens up a whole can of worms and then they have to go down that road. Mm-hmm. And, be detrimental sometimes um yeah i mean i i would say you got all your documents like you named but during that underwriting process anything that you're thinking about doing please ask first remember that's your team your lender your realtor they're your team and even as a realtor when my clients come to me and ask should i do this or that i advise them to call the lender because I don't know everything about lending. I'm a big advocate for staying in your lane and your scope of work. And so while I know a lot, I don't know, I don't have the full context of this picture. So right. I don't want to tell you, yeah, write your earnest money. It's a check. So write it from your business account and not knowing that they ain't know nothing about your business account. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, I don't, right. I don't right. It would have, it, it's, it's just so much easier to just take the extra step to transfer the money appropriately yes, or yes. whatever and, yep, and yep. do it that so way. So I always say, ask questions before you do anything. Don't pay anything off. I think a lot of times mm-hmm. we think, oh, let me pay this off. That's going to be good. It's going to lower my debt. I'm going to go ahead and pay off this credit card. No, actually, sometimes that can hurt you. So you mm-hmm. want to ask before you pay anything off, ask your lender, hey, should I touch this credit card or this this debt? Should I pay this off or not? Or how much should I pay right. on it? 
Um, and you might seem like, you know, if you feel like you're getting on your lender nerves and they give you the inclination that you are, you got the wrong lender. <laughs> Like, right. you know what I mean? Because um, my lender was up texting me all times at night. Listen. She was making like, sure I was good. She would be yes. calling like, hey, did it, having a whole five-minute conversation. Okay, got to go. I'm at the mall with my kids. They're running yeah. around. I'm like, girl, it's not like a night. You were at the mall with your kids. Like, you yeah. didn't have to call me. But they really do have your best interest. Yeah. You know, and in mind, whether they're just really passionate or they just want to get a check. <laughs> <laughs> right. Either way, you win, though. Right? Either way, exactly. you get your house. Your motive right. doesn't matter. Just be, just be diligent. <laughs> Give me these keys, all right? Um, and that, I mean, that is, that's very, very true. Like, it is, you have to trust your team. And if you have a good one around you, they're going to lead you well. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid to ask, you know, don't pay stuff off. Um, you know, don't go make big deposits. Don't run your credit. Don't go and try to get anything small big like you have to said, oh i'm under contract for a house let me start furniture shopping no 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 you better wait till you get those keys i've heard stories of literally people losing their deals because of that because of a sofa that you bought for your new house i've heard a story of someone purchasing a car because they made mm. the easy purchasing a car and literally being like okay you need to take the car back or you won't get your keys like imagine Ooh. the tesla sitting in your driveway and you think you big balling and they like take it back. <laughs> oh, they had to take it back? They had to take it back. Uh, yeah, they got their house, so I assume they took it yeah, back. Yeah, I mean, I would have took it back too. I can't live in a car. I it too. But yeah, so like don't, you know, you any big thing like that, even if your income shows it, a lot of times you're going to have to make up for it in some other way. Mm-hmm. So just be very mindful of it before you just go swiping your card, paying stuff off, even if you meet, you mean well. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like still just be, um, be mindful. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's where discipline comes in. And that's a theme that we, you know, discipline with entrepreneurship is something we have to talk about or, or think about every single day. And it's the same thing. It's like, you know, not letting, uh, there be so much excitement. And also for me, I'm just, I was just really weary about being so emotionally invested in the process, knowing that like, that anything can happen at any time. And it's really not even all the way in your control. I mean, you're, these underwriters are, 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 they're scrutinizing everything. And so we didn't even get our clearance to close until the morning of our closing. Like we had an, an appointment to close at 10 o'clock and here it is nine o'clock. And we're like, are they going to clear us? Is this deal going to fall through? Like we doing our final walkthrough. We ain't getting no clearance to close yet. And then it finally came, it finally came through and we could leave and we could leave the house and go over. But I mean, up until the very last minute, nothing is guaranteed. They will come back with so many different questions. And so we have to kind of be disciplined enough to make those smart decisions. Even when you feel like, oh, okay, I got clear to close. I'm in the, you know, like, just wait, just, just wait and focus on getting in your home first, because it's, that's the hardest part to me is like, actually getting in getting you know pre-approval can be easy um but actually like the financial piece yeah and and also you know i think to your point it helps to have realistic stories like this like that is so important to know i didn't get my clear to close until nine o'clock in the morning for us our clear oh we got it we got it like three times we got a clear to close like three times like our clear to close moved literally two 
no, nah, probably like twice. We cl- we changed dates for closing twice. Mm. That was gut wrenching, like for real. And mm. so it's important though that we tell these stories because what we're doing is setting expectation for people. Yes. Because yeah. I've had so many people come into this and they're like, we supposed to close next week. I don't have my clear to close. I'm like, baby, you in good time. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you good. We got time on our taxes. I was like, so stressed. <laughs> like it's, but literally that's how, like we have to set these expectations instead of talking to people who are just like, oh yeah, mine was a breeze. You should have your clear to close a week out or, Mm-mm. you know, let's diversify these stories because everybody's scenario is different and you want to see expectations because and and i will also say to your point about um it being an emotionally taps like tolling situation um you gotta go into this with some type of faith grounding yoga praying mama something mm-hmm. something like something Evelyn Champagne. was on the main line on the regular okay i'm not telling you to start drinking but some drink something because it literally is not sometimes it's smooth sailing and sometimes it's a little bumpier but like mm-hmm. if this is something that you want you have got to be open-minded you got to come often to your realtor and probably have these come to jesus meetings like and just kind of renewing your mind all the time mm-hmm. because it's a long process and so with for entrepreneurs it is like automatically a longer process. It's more red tape, like you said. And so, you know, you can get frustrated, but it is still so doable. Like Mm -hmm. you're talking to Jana. Jana did it. Like you can do it. And and really my story is kind of unique um, because, and this just goes to show you how unpredictable and how much of an emotional roller coaster the process is. Um, So I went through, um, excuse me. I went through Navy Federal at first. That's where I got my car through. That's where um, my family banks, my mom, you know, ex-military, retired military. Um, And so I was like, oh, I'm going through Navy Federal. They're a great bank, da, 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 da. And it was really, I was very skeptical about the process, I should say. Um, The conversations, I I went, going in, I knew that as a self-employed borrower, this is going to be, 10 times harder than if I just had my W-2s and, you know, my regular financials. And they pre-approved me just off of me telling them what I make in a year. And I was like, either God is lining stuff up to just be seamless on my behalf or something is amiss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, and so I took the pre-approval and like, we jump right into the the home buying process. Like Jamette's showing us things. We set up our group chat and we're seeing homes and everything off of this pre-approval number. And, um, then, so we go, we get under contract, we send the, um, whatever it is, the offer to, huh? The earnest money? No, we send the offer to Navy Federal and they come back with an, um, like the loan estimate and the interest rate was insane. Even for the market, it was then like the interest rate might've been like closer to like a six or something like that. And at this time we were still in the three. I'm about to say, yeah, that was half of that. Yeah. And so that was the first, that was a red flag. And so I reached out to my wealth manager, just like, Hey, this doesn't look right. Like, you know, whatever. And he said, Oh yeah, that does not he he researched what the federal interest rate, he was like, yeah, that's way higher. You need them to explain why 
you have this rate. And so I'm like, yeah, but they didn't haven't even asked for my financials yet. And they know I'm a self-employed borrower. And so uh, I reached back out to the loan officer and I'm like, hey, thank you for sending this over. I have a few questions. One, what numbers, like what did you factor into me yeah. getting this pre-approval? Because you haven't looked at any of my financials. You haven't looked at any tax returns, bank statements, anything. You don't even, like you know nothing about my, my financial picture. How did you get this number? And then what did you factor in in order to come to this high interest rate? Um, and so they came back and they didn't really give me an answer. They were just like, oh, we'll get your financial documents. We'll send over a link for you to upload everything. And I was like, my worry is that I'm going to get to the finish line and everything's going to fall through because the finances don't check out. So Jamette, love her. She was an amazing realtor. She um, said, I don't know about this. Like that interest rate is wild. Let me ask my lender and just see what she thinks. And we got in a group chat and we're talking and she's like, send me your tax returns from, and I sent her my tax returns from when I started my business in 2016 to now. Like I had all of them, you know, squared away. And I knew um, because I started the process two years, two or three years ago, I started talking about wanting to own a home. So I knew I couldn't write everything off. And so I started, you know, making it so that I had to pay more taxes, but I was claiming, you know, I was, I wasn't writing off so much. And I sent her all of my tax returns that showed income going up every year and write offs, you know, going down. And she was like, you're not pre-approved for this house under these, with these tax returns. Like what did Navy federal look at? And I was like, I, they they didn't look at anything and that's why i was skeptical and she's like yeah i mean like these two taxes look fine like you're these last two they look fine they look like you're you know making regular income that checks out but when we go to the third and beyond like that is it is not gonna check out for the amount you want so i was freaking out because we're under contract and now i'm finding out that i'm not actually pre-approved for this amount and so she's like so I'm like what are my options and she's like do you have someone who can co-sign for you mm -hmm. and so I ended up getting my dad to co-sign with me um because his income his income checked out like he qualified from his income and I had the credit I had the actual cash for you know I had the cash in my investment account so we yeah. hmm? So you had everything else. You just needed that extra. Employment. I had everything else, but because of the way I filed my taxes, I did not qualify for the amount that I wanted. If I had filed the year three, the way that I had been filing the other two, I would have been good. But because I was still in that habit of, oh, let me write everything off. I don't want to have to pay taxes. I maybe try to get money, whatever, you know, because I had in that third year, I was, I, I wrote off so much. I didn't qualify by myself anymore. Yeah. And so yeah. that was something I was right. Navy federal was going to pull, you know, pull the rug out from under me when we're, when it's an underwriting. Um, and so that was when, a real wake up call for me. Whenever I get somebody from Navy federal, I'll be like, come here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, let me see that paper <laughs> because we're not doing this because that they, is, yeah. It's, and so I later learned that, you know, stick to Navy Federal for a car, stick to them for banking, but not for homes. Like, I think they said, some people were saying, you know, like traditional banks are typically not the way to go. You want to work with a company who actually specializes in mortgage lending. Yep. Yep. And it's more flexibility there, more mm -hmm. programs. 
something to help. It's not too many like closing cost programs right now because that's something that everybody always asks. Like, where the first time home buyer grants and stuff? Well, it's not really, really, that's a market employee, to be honest. Mm. Like, it's not really that much of a like, you know, first time home buyer grants. They might have like um, uh, first responders or, you know, teachers, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that's a little bit of a market employee because basically all you're doing is moving money around. <laughs> like that's all that's all they're doing. So really, instead of asking, hey, you know, do you have a first time home buyers grant? What you should really be asking is, do you have any down payment assistance so that you can mm-hmm. eliminate payment altogether? Um, right now, it's not too much closing cost assistance unless you're going with like a builder because mm-hmm. builders incentive they incentivize closing costs but really what you want is to eliminate that down payment or try to get it as low as you know what I mean as low as possible yeah. and, and that was mm-hmm. and that was um also something that uh was a hiccup earlier in the process at the very beginning when I went through Navy Federal to get the pre-approval because we were in the process of planning a wedding and mm-hmm. so there was a lot of you know our, our money was tied up all over so I was like what's the easiest way to do this so I was talking to Navy Federal and they were saying that they had options that allowed me to put no money down. I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. She's like, yeah, it's um, an adjustable rate mortgage. So basically that just means that your interest rate fluctuates with the market. So some months, you know, your interest rate will be higher. I mean, your mortgage payment will be higher. Some months your mortgage payment will be lower, da, 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 but this is a way to get, you know, zero money at closing. You're just right in there. Or your, your closing costs might be built into the total cost of the loan, but zero down at closing. And at first I was like, you got me, I'm in. And then I. <laughs> then I'm like, yep, sign me up again. <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> and my, my dad was like, no, you're not. Not absolutely not. Um, because my parents back back in the day, back in the 2008 crisis, housing crisis, they were in that situation where their mortgage tripled. Um, and, and it, I mean, it happens to so it happened to so many people. That's why the market crashed. And so it's like things like that, that when you don't know you're a first time home buyer, you don't really know the process. It's like so many of these things that get you, you know, trapped up and you yep. just, it's their hurdles. And so. Yep. Um, how do you advise people and are there any other things that you kind of let people know as they're navigating this process, either on their own or through you? Like, what are some other roadblocks like that, like an adjustable rate mortgage that we just don't even know as a society? Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Run from those, um, for real. Like I've heard mixed reviews and every time I come to Trash. it, it's wrong no for me, for Trash. me personally. Um, I do know that there is a popular um, down payment assistance program where it is a piggyback loan. So it's still you're still going to pay it back. So basically every month you will pay your higher mortgage and then you'll pay a little more or a little less um, for the for the down payment. So basically you're just financing your down payment. The down payment hasn't gone away. You're just able to finance it in. That's the option that I really say go for because your rate is not going to change. Your number is not going to change. You just financed it in. So do you have, so people who do that, they pay like VHDA um, during the month and then they pay their mortgage person. You know what I mean? Their mortgage Mm -hmm. company. So they pay two. Um, And so that's better than like getting in a situation like what you described. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's one hurdle definitely is like, really the biggest hurdles we're seeing right now is people just not having enough um, one people not having enough cash to pay a down payment and closing costs because stuff is so high. And mm-hmm. then another hurdle is <clears throat> just being um, 
aware of these monthly payments because of the interest rates, they're higher. And so a lot of people are saying, like, date the rate, buy the, marry the house. And that is a good concept. However, I always go a layer deeper and I say, there are some people, though, who truly can't afford to do that. They mm-hmm. truly can't afford to have a higher you know, monthly mortgage payment. So what do these people do? You know what I'm saying? So, so, can you break that down? What do they mean by date the rate, marry mm-hmm. the house? Because the rates are going to fluctuate, right? So right now rates are higher and really they're higher, but they're actually historically low. Like they're normal. When we were in the pandemic, that was not normal. <laughs> that was not normal at all. I think when we purchased our house, this house, our interest rate was like a 1.9 like oh a my gosh like it was crazy that is not normal that's not normal but for us being in the pandemic it was you know what I mean so now you tell us a six and now we just like oh my god but this is actually normal and mm. so that's the narrative that we have to start like wrapping our heads around but to answer your question um, interest rates fluctuate so what a lot of realtors and people are saying and there is some truth to it uh, I just feel like there's another side, but they're basically saying, you know, get the house that you want. Don't let the house pass up, pass you by because you're afraid of the interest rate because the interest rates can change. And when the interest rate gets lower, you just refinance. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's a good strategy. However, number one, no one knows if and when the interest rates will change. We will probably yeah. see the low rates that we saw again. This is, again, the new normal. So if you're afraid to buy now, you can't say, oh, I'm going to hold out until you know what I mean? Uh, right. Get back to twos. So that's what that um, saying is is meaning. It's like, mm-hmm. don't let the house of your dreams pass you by because of the interest rate, because mm-hmm. there's an exit plan. You can refinance. Yeah. Um, while that is very true, I say also, though, have very realistic conversations about, hey, can I handle this higher mortgage payment now, though? Right. right? Because, because people- refinancing will be a whole separate That's process. a whole separate transaction process. And that's down the line. Exactly. You can't just say, oh, I'm in the house now. Let me go ahead and do the paperwork to refinance. No. No. You're going to be stuck with that month, that higher monthly payment. You're stuck with that. And you have to wait until the interest rates are good again or, you know, good to your standard again. And who knows when that will be? They mm-hmm. just hiked them up again yesterday. You know what I mean? So, like, who knows when that will be? So, while I do say, I mean, I, I understand the, the logic behind date the rate, marry the house. Um, I also, I'm very much like, care about my clients and I also have these realistic conversations like hey I get it that that's your plan but can you afford this payment today because I don't want you to get in here and be house broke I don't want you to get in here and have a foreclosure Mm -hmm. can you if 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 you weren't able to refinance for two years are you okay with this payment today yeah and if the answer is yes then cool let's rock if the answer is no then we might need to scale back a little bit to figure out you know what I'm saying what Mm -hmm. is going to work for you um so yeah, that's and that's just the realistic, you know. Again, I'm in it for the people and to help, and so I don't want to get you in a house that is gonna take you take you under. Yeah. Um, and then the and next. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was about to say the next thing I I tell my couples is kind of like a wealth hack, is if one person can carry the loan, let them carry it. And so, for instance, um, with with me. I own a townhouse. It's in my name. I brought it before. I met my husband before I married my husband. And when we were getting ready to build this house, 
the lender kept referring. He kept saying, yeah, well, once you sell your house, you'll have, the, you know, the down payment. And I was like, bruh, I'm not selling my house. Like, I never said I was going to do that. Um, and so what happened was I stayed on that mortgage and my husband is on this mortgage and I'm on the deed of this house. So I'm still the owner, still very much have ownership rights and all the things, but he could carry this one. So mm-hmm. what's the need in us being tied up in a in a mortgage mm-hmm. if both of us, you know what I mean? If you yeah. think ahead and one person can handle a $400,000 or $300,000 house, why are we both getting tied up in a 250 approval, right? Yeah, like, yeah. If, if one person can carry it, let that person carry it. The other, you get on the deed of the house and then you can go start the business or you can get yeah. the the, the car, you know what I'm saying? But I always tell my um my couples, now if they just need more, they need more house, then of course both of you get on. Mm-hmm. But if we're getting you a townhouse for three hundred thousand dollars and one person can carry it, let's let's put the pride to the side. Right. Exactly. Put pride to the side. Like <laughs> Yeah. Let, you own the deeds, sis. You exactly. Still- and I mean, once you get into the house, the house has bills, okay? Exactly. So, <laughs> like the house, you know. And so that's yeah, that's real. That's that's really real. Um, and then going back to the entrepreneurship side, one thing that I dealt with that I know. I challenge so every entrepreneur who's looking to buy a house to think about the fact that with a business, especially if you have a service-based business, income fluctuates. Yes. And, you know, what my financial picture looked like at the beginning of the process, you know, things changed midway through when a client lost you know, lost their funding. And so that was like, oh, a lost client. And so now I'm looking at, you know, lower monthly revenue, and all these things. And so finances can change. We all know with entrepreneurship, finances change from month to month, day to day. And so you have to be able to, it's important to live within your means or don't, you know, just because you're approved for 400,000, don't go and find a house that is at the top of your budget. Really, you know, try to live below your means so that you can make room for mortgage payments, even when business ebbs and flows, you know? For sure. Yep. Definitely create some breathing room for yourself. I mean, and, and up until this uh, a few weeks ago, you know, um, when you, to your point, you know, not going straight to the top of your um, budget, you needed to build in some competition room. So like mm-hmm. if you were approved for 400, we're not looking at houses at 400. We're looking in the 380s so that yeah. at least we have 20, 10 to 20,000 that we can mm-hmm. come. And so like, this is what you have to be savvy as a realtor to be able to like, you know, push your clients to do that um, because you definitely don't, you want to create some breathing room for yourself and on the negotiation side, some competition. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. And, um, and that was exactly my, uh, well, <laughs> Jamet's strategy rather, cause I didn't know it, <laughs> anything, but um, you know, she, she was like in this market, you're going to have to go over asking price. Yep. So let's look at, I mean, we were looking at homes that were like 80,000 over, you know, under budget, And it worked because we were able to offer more, you know, we were able to go, I think we ended up going 50 over asking price. Um, And it's still comfortable because it's still within your budget. It was still under budget. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So to do that. Yep. And so she was, you know, I would be sending her homes and she'd be like, oh, well, you only have $20,000 of wiggle room. If you get into a bidding war, that's not going to get you very far. Um, And so I came in. Um, I think I came, yeah, I came in, I think maybe 30, 30 over asking someone came in, um, like 50 over asking. And she was like, 
we got to escalate this thing. (laughs) And so we also had to think about, okay, do we have extra cash in the reserve for um, an appraisal shortfall? So if you're offering all this money on this house and the bank says it's worth less, do you have money in the account to cover the difference? And so we had to think about that. Then we had to think about, okay, do we have money to maybe waive the appraisal? I mean, not appraisal, wave inspection. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these are things that people are doing in these markets. Like people, I don't know how people got money out here. They be doing all kind of crazy stuff. During the pandemic, I was like, are all y'all grandmas rich? Like what is going on? People legit was like buying $400,000 houses in cash. I'm like, who has that sitting who? up? What are you who? doing? What are you doing? Just like, on one house. Like if I, if I spend it, all that money on a house, we all living in it. Mama, daddy, everybody. Everybody, and they better have a pool. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we need. No, but really, it, like it, um, you know, you have to think about those things too. It's not just about the pre-approval. It's not just about having, you know, the the savings. But it's really, you know, are you prepared to yeah. pivot based on the best strategy? And yep. I love a good strategy. That's what I do. And so, um, I appreciated that Jamet came with those options. Like, look. If you feel good about how this house looks. I, you know, I did a little walkthrough informal inspection. So, you know, we could probably, uh, you know, just do an inspection for informational purposes only. And then you'd be on the hook for like, you know, for the repairs. Um, and that was literally the only thing that tipped the scale for us um, because we had to we had to meet the other offer. It was between me and someone else. We had to meet their offer price wise. Um, and then we had when we got down to contingencies, um, we both. um the other person was going to put down more money in everything. And the only thing that got us the house was the fact that we said we wanted an inspection for informational purposes only. Like we waived the inspection, which is risky. I told my mom, I was like, mom, if you want me to do this, I'm going to need you to. (laughs) I'm going to call you since you back in this. Exactly. I'm like, this is your idea. (laughs) No, legit though. Like it, and so the crazy thing is now, though, we're not seeing a whole lot of that now because really? interest rates went up. So when interest rates went up, what happened was that they weeded out a lot of buyers Ooh. because now they're paying more for their money. So what you were approved for at 250 your monthly note looks totally different from a 250 this time last year and a 250 this year. Oh, wow. Two, at 280 you at 1800 You know what I'm saying? Like a month, which was totally different from last year. So... We're not seeing, you know, a lot of that right now, but I know what you're talking about because just a few months ago, that's where we were. And you had to be willing. Remember I said, always renewing your mind, (laughs) getting your mind, getting your head in the game. And then always also being like a little more flexible. And you were blessed to have like your mom that encouraged you to do the hard things and maybe Mm -hmm. the things because some parents, you know, all the daddies come to the home inspection. (laughs) And with their toolboxes. I'm like, what are you doing, sir? We do have an inspector. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, nah, we trying to get this out. Daddies. But you know, they legit, you know, people, people, aunties, parents, sister brothers, they'll tell you their stories and just say stuff like, Oh, I would never, I would never wave an inspector. I would never do this. And it's like, well, you this is a different market. And so exactly. there are that it sounds like Jamette did clearly she did to like mm. protect you so that on paper it looked like you waived it but in real life I walked through or in yeah. real life I had an inspector come with me to walk through so yes. like you know, there are strategies that 
can get you in the house and it seems like you waved everything, but you're still covering yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and that's exactly what we did. And you know, my dad was the same way. Well, you don't want to be desperate out here. You out there waving inspections. You doing all stuff to be desperate. I am desperate. I need a home. I need somewhere to live. (laughs) I'll be sure to do that. I am desperate. (laughs) I am desperate. And and this is the market we're in. I mean, you purchase your home in like the eighties. Yeah, a lot to- which is totally different, right? Like a lot of our parents did. It was a situation where they were choosing. They were like, nope, this yep. house, seller, you pay this and you pay that. But we're in the exact opposite right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so if you're not appealing to the seller, and that's my strategy is always, how can we, appeal- number one, how can I protect my client? What mm-hmm. are your non-negotiables? But then how can we immediately after that appeal to the seller? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so those were, you know, those were our options. I was like, let's, let's have someone do a walkthrough inspection to make sure that there's nothing structural that is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then when we went through the official inspection, there were things that were, you know, cosmetic and, you know, little things that needed to be tweaked, but nothing that was going to really, you know, tank us financially. So it, like I said, it was a risk. Um, but I think it's, you know, if you are able to take the risk, like just know that you may be dealing with that. And so you want to make sure that built into your financial plan is, you know, will I have to go over asking? Will I need to pay for repairs if I'm going to waive an inspection or only have them repair up to a certain amount? Um, mm-hmm. Can I cover an appraisal shortfall? Those are all things that, you know, you have to consider when you're, you know, yeah. For sure. Yes. So um, close to wrapping up. So what resources, I know that you have your, um, you, you were doing your like classes and you were, you really had, you know, your group, you were teaching them everything, you know, mm-hmm. um, but for people who may not be at the point where they're ready to become, you know, they're ready to, um, you know, jump in and do, you know, real estate or really learn the the industry. What are some resources that you use or you recommend to people who may be wanting to understand from both sides, from being a buyer as an entrepreneur, yeah. um, but then also becoming an entrepreneur by selling houses? Like, what are the two I think I would say, like, you want to, I, I think the best resource is, is people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so like, where are you trying to go and who's there already? Can we mm-hmm. go talk? To them? Can we like build some relationship with them? Can we network? And, you know, networking is super powerful. Again, whether you're trying to become a realtor or whether you're an entrepreneur trying to purchase a house, like this is a great resource. I think it's really about hearing those raw stories um, for both scenarios, because that is where those are where the gems are. Like, I don't want to hear just about somebody who was an entrepreneur and purchased their house on the first go around because there are no lessons in it for me. Like, exactly. I, exactly. Nine times out of 10, it's not going to be me. Like, so, you know, what, you know, what, who can I get around mm-hmm. that can tell me these authentic stories that I can glean from? Um, that's going to be the first thing. The second thing is when you do see um, classes and stuff come up on home ownership, um, take advantage of them. And so, you know, you don't want to, but on the flip side of that, you don't want to have like analysis paralysis where you're mm-hmm. taking all these classes, reading all these books, listening to podcasts, but you're not moving, yeah. you're not doing anything. So that's why I say take a couple classes or whatever, listen to a few podcasts, but really get in the in the spaces of some people who are in it, whether mm-hmm. that's 
realtor, right, to tell you what you need to be working on, whether it's an entrepreneur who is a realtor like myself who can tell you, girl, I failed the test. Girl, yep, I did. I suffered with imposter syndrome, right? Like those things. um, But get into, I think the biggest thing is get into these conversations Mm -hmm. because that is what's going to help you. um, And then to be able to see somebody on the other side of it all or to hear somebody that, you know, successfully uh, purchased the house as an entrepreneur, you're going to be inspired. So you're going to be also inspired. Like, yo, I can do this because they did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the biggest thing. And I also think, you know, if I could add anything to that based on my own experience would be to give yourself grace um, and don't discount. Like the goal is to get the house, right? Like the goal is to have your home. And sometimes it may look a little different than we thought, um, but it's still a win. It's still a success. I know that when I was, you know, we were going through the process and stuff, I was so excited. And then I was like... Kind of told you, man, I was kind of bummed because I need because I ended up needing a co-signer. And I was like, oh, I just feel so, you know, I was really excited about, be, you know, being able to do this on my own. I thought that this was really something that, like, this was going to be an achievement for me, that I was going to be able to do this on my own. And, like, here I am. I need my dad to step in and co-sign for me. And she was like, let's be clear. If you had filed your taxes differently, you had everything else. This house would have been yours. You brought yeah. your money to the table for closing. Like yeah. you brought yeah. your money to the table for appraisal shortfall. Like you don't discount what you were able to do. The other yeah. things, you know, that it doesn't matter. The goal is that you got into the house and be proud of what you could what you could bring to the table. Yeah. Because without without my money like my parents weren't going to put down five figures for my down payment and closing costs you know but like so even if it doesn't look exactly how you wanted it to even if you you know if you're tied to the narrative of I'm an entrepreneur I did this all on my own well it takes a village and one thing I had to learn and my therapist had to talk me through it too because I was really feeling discouraged that I had to even ask my dad to co-sign like I was crying and he's like what's your problem (laughs) Mm -hmm. and being grateful right that like you even have a parent that is willing to be like, exactly. yeah, I got you. you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and that's what my, that's what my therapist said. She was like, you're looking at that as a negative thing, but like, how beautiful is it that you are the type of person yeah. with the type of character that someone feels comfortable enough to put their name on a home that you are yeah. going to be living in? Yep. It's not their home. They're just helping you get it. And so how amazing is it that you have people in your corner who are willing to show up for you when you need yeah. them? That yeah. speaks to your character. That speaks to who you are and who you've been to them. So that's something to be proud of as well, that you have the, that you have built character and rapport enough to have people help you on the most important purchase of your life. So yeah. that was a great perspective shift for me. And so I just want to share that with anyone else who may be discouraged because you can't do it all on your own or you can't you know, you do need to ask for help or you need to raise money for whatever. Like, it's okay if it doesn't look picture perfect. The goal is the house. (laughs) The goal is the house. Did you get your keys or not? Right. That's the goal. That's the goal. And like, to your point, you had everything else. And I think that speaks to like faith and just like being able to say, okay, God, what can I do? Let Mm -hmm. me do everything I can do. Everything that I have control of doing. Let me do that. And then you gonna figure out the rest of it. Like, mm-hmm. so like the only measurement you need to like measure yourself up against is have I done all that I could do? And if the answer is yes, then everything else will work out. It'll work yeah. out. Yeah, It'll work absolutely. Out. Absolutely. I love it. This conversation has been amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining. 
Um, so many gems. I think that this is such an important conversation that even though the housing market isn't like hot, hot, hot the way it was, a, you know, a few months ago or last year, like it's, it's still something that this is, it's always going to be relevant. It's all, we're always going to be trying to buy homes and whether it's your first home, second home, whatever, like this is information that we need, especially if for people who um, may feel like if they want this dream to come true, they're going to have to go and get a nine to five so they can have W2. Like it is, it is totally possible for, for anyone to own a home. Yep. Absolutely. Just have the right team in your corner and get you a good realtor, a good CPA, a good good lender. Mm -hmm. And most times, you know, people want to know, I know we're wrapping up, but people want to know like, who do I talk to first, a a realtor or a lender or, you know, who? Um, I always say that a good realtor is a good connector. So much like you said, Jamette had a lender in her back pocket, like, hold up. So a lot of times, and lenders say, of course they want you to come to them first, but that's because they might not be as connected. So, but if you go to a realtor first, a good realtor is a good connector. Nine times out of 10, they have um, lenders that they work with regularly, close mm-hmm. deals regularly, and they know their strengths of their lender. So they can just be like, oh, Jan, I got you. Like, let me, yeah. I know your scenario. I have a lender that works well with entrepreneurs. Let me connect you. So yeah. I find a realtor first, vet them real good, and then make sure that they have a good lender and you're good. Build up your team. Yes. Build your team. I love that. I love that. So, you know, before we go, we got to end with the win and a woe. So (laughs) what is a win, whether from today, this week, just anything recent that you are super proud of? I am a win. I am so proud, y'all, that I have been like taking my time. I have this habit of rushing around and just like doing, just packing my calendar. And so mm-hmm. just taking my time to be like, yup, I'm not doing that today. <laughs> like I canceled a meeting yesterday. I was like, I'm not. I, I don't feel like one. it. I can't. I love that for me. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to cancel that meeting. Um, and I did it happily. Um, and just like having some white space on my calendar, building in some Netflix time. I need to watch more TV, honestly, mm-hmm. because I've just worked too much. And, you know, it's just always something. I'm an Uber driver for the kids. Like, it's just a lot. <laughs> so I'm just like, I need to have more time for me. So I'm proud of this week, really just going at my pace in the mornings, just really taking time for me. Good. That's awesome. I would say my win. Um, so back in, I would say May. Uh, I planted a garden in the backyard, um, cucumbers, lettuce, watermelon, green peppers, and tomatoes. And mm-hmm. I um, I ate my first cucumber from my garden yesterday, and it was delicious. <laughs> I was like, look at me making my own food, my own produce. But we- I took that petunia, and I know yours dad too, didn't he? Uh, my petunia, those... Those birds tore my petunias up. They didn't stand a chance. Okay. Well, we celebrate your garden. That's what's up. Thank you. I yeah, I have about fourteen tomatoes, and I don't even know how many cucumber now. I need to go down and count because the leaves have gotten so crazy. The watermelon has not started blooming yet, and I'm like, isn't it about that time? But I hear I have until the end of September. Oh, okay. okay. Allegedly, we gonna see. At all, we gonna see. So yeah, that's a win that I was able to take a garden from start to harvest so that was that was really good really big for me that was my win that's dope that's dope thank you all right and now a woe what do you got um a woe I was a little rough on my kids this morning you know got up late (laughs) it was like come on let's get let's go let's go now yeah 
we're going to smooth it over this evening. So a lot of times when I'm a little rough on them in the morning, I just be like, dang, Nisha, that was kind of, that was tough. Was um, so, you know, we'll get some ice cream or something this evening. I apologize because I do, I think that's a thing. It's Canada. it's important. I was going to, I was going to say, um, Chris had yelled at Zoe the other day because she was um, having a, having a thing or he got kind of stern at her and then mm-hmm. came back like, Zoe, I raised my voice at you earlier and that was just so not right. I know, like, I should not talk to you that way. It's always important to be kind other than this long apology. And she looks so confused, like, uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, so she did not know how to receive an apology from a parent. But that's, like, yeah. it's not normal for parents to apologize. Yeah. And, but, we, you know, we're woke parents. Like, we are trying to be super conscious. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'm going to apologize to them, you know, to both of them. But they better not do it tomorrow, though. I'll tell you that. Right. Like, I just apologized yesterday. Y'all might not get an apology today. When it's tomorrow. <laughs> um, let's see. For me, a woe. Um, you know, it just seems like I can never get my house straight. I think I need to read the book, How to Keep a House While Drowning. Um okay. be- Yeah. Yeah. Because I was really proud of myself because I did, uh, like, two weeks ago, I did... I folded two loads of laundry fresh out the dryer and I was celebrating for like three, four days. That's awesome. That is, that is actually impressive. But ask me how many days these clothes have been in the dryer from this new load. Look behind me. me. (laughs) Okay. So let me tell you, Jana, and I'm not trying to like make your woe a win, but I have like been a advocate for outsourcing stuff so i use such share the app they not paying me so i'm not gonna say the name but you need to use it i use that it's literally i can wash all our clothes for 40 dollars. it's a dollar i I used it one time when we were in chesapeake i haven't tried it here use it again and then i for the first time i got a housekeeper last Mm. week changed the game Mm. like it was so it felt so good to sit down on a saturday and like do work or do something else other than like clean up you know my last my last episode um the mompreneur life one of the wins from one of the moms was that she got a housekeeper and it it really is amazing self-care to be able to just you know that's a theme i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to give me a housekeeper yeah because then you won't have to worry about those um that laundry because that's that's true i hate it i hate it and the kids be i mean toys everywhere i'm like i just need somebody to just Come behind and come behind them and pick up. Not me. Yeah, not me though. Not me. Somebody else. This was amazing. Thank yes, you so it much. Was. Thank you so much. I always love talking to you and um you've just been on fire. So I just had to bring you in for an episode. I was like, she is just such a wealth of knowledge and she's really building up careers, which is huge. And so I know that entrepreneurs are gonna be um so filled and you know really appreciate all the knowledge you dropped today so thank you so much Venetia you're so welcome so if you can uh leave us with letting everyone know how to get in touch with you how to find you how to connect with you yep so you can email me always my email is v as in victor johnson 0511 at gmail.com or you can follow me on instagram it's vanisha underscore johnson and on Facebook, it's just my name. So All right. yeah, follow me, reach out, and we'll go from there. Start building your legacy. Exactly. Yes. And I am Jana Hall. You can find me on Instagram, J- Jana M. Hall. 
Um, and on Facebook, Jana M. Joyner. Um, and you can email me, of course, at Jana at leapinnovativegroup.com. Uh, so excited to connect with you all. So excited to see how many people, um, you know, learn from this and, you know, start building the legacy of their own through home ownership. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye. Peace out.